When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $15.99. Save $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is CNN Breaking News. Welcome to the lead. I'm Jake Tapper. We begin with the 2020 lead right now. Fallout from the debate that Joe Biden called a, quote, national embarrassment and Republican Senator Ben Sass called a shit show this afternoon. Oblivious to the criticism, President Trump moments ago said that he thought the debate went great. That is not the view of Republican senators who today called on President Trump to clean up remarks from the debate in which the president not only declined to explicitly condemn white supremacists, he offered encouragement to the Proud Boys, a violent, far-right, neo-fascist group. Given a second chance this afternoon, however, the president again declined to denounce the support of white supremacist supporters and again declined to explicitly denounce white supremacy. As far as the president would go was to claim he's always denounced, quote, any form of any of that. I want law and order to be a very important part. It's a very important part of my campaign. And when I say that, what I'm talking about is law enforcement has the police have to take care and they should stop defunding the police like they've done in New York, like they've done in New York. I just told you, I've always denounced any form any form, any form of any of that you have to denounce. But I also, Joe Biden has to say something about Antifa. It's the president also claiming today that he does not know who the Proud Boys are after he told that violent anti-Semitic group to, quote, stand back and stand by, which that violent group took as an endorsement. Instead, the president today immediately pivoting to blaming left-wing groups for violence. CNN's Caitlin Collins joins me. Caitlin, I have to say, this reminds me quite a bit of February 2016, when three times I asked candidate Trump to renounce, to explicitly renounce the endorsement of former Ku Klux Klan leader David Duke, and three times, live on television, he declined to do. Yeah, Jake, he seems to be following a similar pattern to what he did then now by saying that he didn't know David Duke at the time, even though, of course, he was on the record talking about David Duke in the past. And now he's saying he doesn't know who the Proud Boys are, something he did not mention on the debate stage last night. And Jake, this is a pattern of the Donald Trump presidency, where he will refuse to condemn racism or white nationalism and then spend several days backpedaling as aides struggle with what to say. And you see Republicans are having no trouble denouncing those comments on Capitol Hill. So, of course, the question is, what does this really mean? Why does the president keep doing this? Because the federal government has said that white supremacy terrorism is one of the biggest threats facing the nation, yet repeatedly when the president is given opportunities to denounce them, he doesn't take them. I've always denounced any form, any form, any form of any of that. After refusing to explicitly condemn white supremacy and right-wing extremists in last night's debate, President Trump declined to denounce them once again today. I don't know who the Proud Boys are. They have to stand down, let law enforcement do their work. 
Trump now saying he doesn't know the Proud Boys, a far-right group that's endorsed violence, which he refused to denounce last night. Would you like me to condemn Proud Boys? Proud Boys, stand back and stand by. Trump quickly pivoting from his actions to Joe Biden. Now, Antifa is a real problem because the problem is on the left, and Biden refuses to talk about it. The fallout from President Trump's frenzied debate performance was felt throughout Washington today. It sounds like uh, President Trump was President Trump. Despite Trump saying today that he received rave reviews. We've gotten tremendous reviews on it. Privately, CNN spoke with several Trump officials, advisors and supporters who acknowledged that he was too aggressive, didn't tout enough accomplishments and lacked a clear line of attack on his opponent. There's nothing smart about you, Joe. Even those who helped him prepare for the debate, like former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, conceded that he came on too strong. It was too hot. I mean, you know, listen, you come in and decide you want to be aggressive. And I think that was the right thing to be aggressive, but that was too hot. Any chance for decorum during last night's debate was quickly dashed as the president interrupted Biden at nearly every chance he got. Will you shut who is up, man? Listen, who is Mr. President, I'm the moderator of this debate, and I would like you to let me ask my question, and then you can answer your question. The chaotic nature of the debate, driving the Commission on Presidential Debates to issue a statement saying last night's debate made clear that additional structure should be added to the format of the remaining debates to ensure a more orderly discussion of the issues. Now, Jake, short of cutting their mics or installing an eject button, it's not really clear what the commission can do to change the nature of that debate that you saw play out last night. But what we have heard today, both campaigns are saying their candidates will show up for the next two debates in Florida and in Tennessee. All right, Caitlin Collins at the White House, thank you so much. Joining us now, Trump campaign communications director Tim Murtaugh. Tim, thanks so much for joining us. Let's start with the the news from the Bipartisan Commission on Presidential Debates. They just announced that they're considering adding, adding more structure to the remaining debates due to the chaos last night. The president, of course, did not stop interrupting the moderator and Joe Biden. You put out a statement saying, quote, they're only doing this because their guy got pummeled last night, unquote. Who's they in this construct? The the Bipartisan Commission on Presidential Debates? Sure. The Bipartisan Commission is riding to the rescue of their guy. The president was a dominant force last night, and he did pummel Joe Biden. And I would point out that Joe Biden interrupted the president more than 70 times as well, Jake. And so what they're doing, the Biden people have clearly been working the refs, and now they're going to change the rules in the middle of the game. But the fact is, the president will be there. He won the debate last night. He's going to win the next two. And it's Joe Biden who's getting advice from all corners to withdraw from the debates. I saw my old mm-hmm. friend Larry Sabato from, the, from UVA, I guess uh, more or less leading the charge, calling for the cancellation of the rest of the debate schedule. We so don't want that. We want the w- debates to continue. And, and, and uh, I think that changing the rules midstream is a bad idea just to bail out one guy who was clearly weak and overmatched last night. Why do you think that the bipartisan commission on presidential debates, which includes Republican members as well as Democrats, Democrats, that their guy is Joe Biden. You're, you're saying that the chairman, the Republican chairman, Frank Ferenkopf, wants Biden to win? Are you really saying that? 
I, I think what you see is that this is a reaction to the fact that Joe Biden didn't have a very good night last night. He looked weak. He was unable to defend his 47 years of failure in Washington. He was unable to articulate why he's carrying this radical agenda from the left. You saw him, how he was backpedaling on the Green New Deal, for example. Mm -hmm. It was a bad night for Joe Biden. And so then on the morning after, to talk about changing the rules because the debate was such a disaster for one candidate, I think it's pretty obvious which way the field is tilted. Yes. Well, the the polls that have come out all indicate that the people who watched the debate in some polls, a majority in some polls, a plurality, thought that your guy, that President Trump lost the debate. But, but forget what well, the polls are, indicate. Chris there Christie. There are other polls. Telemundo Chris, had a poll that was not two to one poll. in favor that's of not the a, president. That's not a real poll. Chris Christie. Jake, these these who are helped, Telemundo viewers who, not, who think that the that's president not a, that's handled not, Joe Biden. There's no I'm not going to debate with you. It's not a real mythological poll. Chris Christie, who helped Trump prepare for the debate said that the president was too hot. Senator Rick Santorum, another Trump supporter, said that if he were a down-ballot Republican running for office this year, he would be, quote, pretty mad at the president for indulging himself to their detriment. Those are your supporters. What's your response to these Republican critics? Uh, the president went in with a very clear plan, and he, and he executed that plan very well. He was aggressive, and the point was to make the case that the president has achieved more in 47 months than Joe Biden has achieved in 47 years. And another great line from last night, which actually cuts right to the heart of Joe Biden's problem as it relates to the American worker, mm -hmm. the president said, China ate your lunch, Joe. That really is a central problem that Joe Biden has. I think the president had a game plan. He executed it. He was very aggressive. He had Joe Biden on his heels practically the whole night. And he had Chris Wallace having to step in and rescue Joe Biden. There was one point, could have been a big moment in the debate, where Biden couldn't name a single law enforcement organization that supported him. And Chris Wallace stepped in and changed the subject. Your if guy he had let Biden sit there and twist in the wind, it would have been a dramatic moment in the debate. But Chris Wallace prevented it. The president kept interrupting. His, you think he was aggressive. Other people think he was abusive. Even Rush Limbaugh said that the president went in with a strategy, but the strategy didn't work. Um, let me ask you, this afternoon... Well, we disagree. We think, we think the president executed a fine strategy. He came into the war room who did he immediately convince? after the debate who did last he night. Who did he convince? The, uh, I, look, the American people saw very clear differences last night between a president who's got a clear record of accomplishment over the first 47 months of his presidency against a guy who's been in D.C. for 47 years and has nothing to show for it, can't defend his own failed economic record, can't defend his $4 trillion tax increase, is backpedaling away from the radical left agenda because he, he, can't, he, he desperately wants to conceal mm -hmm. what it is that he's running on. The Green so, New Deal is something that he bragged about when he, when he launched his climate no, change he does plan. Not he does it's not support all the over green. his website. He doesn't it's all the over green. his website. He doesn't support yes, the green. Yes, he absolutely. He embraces. It says very clearly. He embraces the framework of the Green New Deal. Last night, he threw the Green New Deal out the window. Okay. So here's a guy who he, he didn't spend any time talking so, about the fact that he's going to raise taxes right. by four trillion dollars. So, he never went into any of that, Tim, and that's what the president's plan was to show him Tim, for the fraud Tim, that he is. Tim, this, this is the way that this works. Is I ask a question, you answer. Not I ask a question, and you talk for ten minutes. Okay. This afternoon. President Trump was asked if he condemns white supremacists, the white supremacists who support him. He declined to say that he, dec that he didn't want their support. He started talking no, about law. I just yeah. heard the tape. You just played it, he, Jake. I, we just played the whole thing. He did not. He was asked, yeah. do you welcome the support of white supremacists who love you? He started talking about law and order. Then pressed, he said he denounces, quote, any form of any of that. Why is it so difficult 
for President Trump to say, I condemn white supremacy. I do not want the support of white supremacists. Why is that so it's, difficult it's, for this it's president? It's not difficult, and he has done it many, many times. At a certain point, the media has to accept yes for an answer, Jake. And you look, he you didn't were do one it of today. the few people who actually pointed out. Yes, he did. He said, I denounce all of that. How much more clear do you want him to be? What, all of you what? You were one of the few who pointed out. I, I'm trying to give you credit for something here, Jake. He, he, you were one of the few who pointed out the fallacy of what happened in Charlottesville. And the, the president was very clear back in Charlottesville. He denounced white supremacists. He denounced the KKK. Just this last Friday, I see CNN didn't send a crew to Atlanta for the president's event, but the president said that he is declaring the KKK a terrorist organization. Why That's now? something that Joe Biden never he, did why, in 47 years. Well, President Trump's Joe, been Joe president Biden had for 47 years to do it, Jake, and he never did. He was vice president for eight years. He never did it. President Trump has been, been president, president since for less than four years. President Trump has been right. Pre- Le- why, four, why, less than why four now? years compared to 47, Jake. Less than four years compared to 47. Tim, can you say we're happy? I condemn white supremacists. Are you able to say that? Sure. Do you, and the president did it. The I'm president has you, done it multiple times. Does the Trump Jake, campaign, been, you have role, you have played. How many times does he he has denounced it over and over again? I'm I condemn you, white supremacy. He said it in Charlottesville. You even you, defended him for that. I didn't on this, defend him. on this show. I never defended you him. You actually you explained what the truth I explained was. what he you said. You called out the erroneous reporting. I explained what he yes, said. You did. Yes. Uh, yeah. I explained what he said. And, and that he is denounced, the fact. He said right. he's not including the neo Nazis and the white supremacists when he talked about very fine people. But who are the very fine people? And he denounced them, and he Tim, denounced who them the very, very clearly. Fine who you were know the very fine a, people? I'm not going to relitigate. Right, because this debate there were should none. be about That's for the black point. Americans. That's the this point. This debate should be about who is better for black Americans. And on that score, it is clearly President Trump, the lowest unemployment rate in the history Can of this country. Can you say for that the campaign Americans. does not want Record the support of white investing supremacists? Investing in HBCUs. Absolutely. Say and the it. president has said that multiple so times himself. We do, we do not want the support of white supremacists. And the president has made that clear over and over and over again. Sooner or later, you guys have to take yes for an answer. Why can't yes, President Trump it. just say that? Yes, what we you reject just said. it. I'm t- he has said it over and over and over, Jake. The question should be, which of these two men is better for the black community? The president's record is clear. Lowest unemployment ever for black Americans. Historic funding to historically black okay. colleges and universities. The First Step Act, letting people out of prison early for nonviolent offenses, giving them a second chance at yeah. life. Joe Biden, meanwhile, palled around with racist, segregationist senators to prevent oh, the integration on. of schools. His own, his own running on. mate took him to task for that during a Democrat debate. If we're going to start talking, I did, obvious. of course. And I, if we're going to start talking record, about Dick, if we're going to talk about that's fine. Records, if you want to talk, about talk about what records. Joe Biden was doing in the 1970s when he w- worked with segregationist it's senators, part of his, let's talk about how just in this election, just in this election, he said that he believes that all black people think the same. And he said, if okay. you're not voting for him and you know you're what? black, then you ain't black. I'm not Chris that's Wallace. An actual, that's Thank an you, Tim. Fact. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. President Trump refused to condemn them during the debate. So just who are the Proud Boys? CNN visited one of their recent rallies. Then our next guest focused on fighting hate groups like the Proud Boys for the Department of Homeland Security under Trump. Why she thinks today's failed attempt by the president to clear up his remarks is a problem. Stay with us. In our 2020 lead this afternoon, President Trump once again refused to explicitly condemn white supremacists or disavow their support. And he's now claiming he does not even know who the Proud Boys are, even though he said this last night, which some are already perceiving as something of marching orders. Proud boys, stand back and stand by. But I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left. 
The Proud Boys responding on social media saying, quote, standing down and standing by, sir. By the way, Mr. President, the Proud Boys, a far-right neo-fascist group with a reputation for inciting violence, and the Southern Poverty Law Center has labeled them a hate group. Joe Biden called for the Proud Boys and white supremacist groups to cease and desist, and late this afternoon, the president told them to stand down and let law enforcement do their job. CNN's correspondent Ellie Reeve joins me live now. And Ellie, you attended a Proud Boys rally a few days ago. You've been speaking to some of its members. Do you think that President Trump, what he said today, is going to sound like backtracking to them, or do they still think he's on board? Mm. The president might be trying to walk his comments back now, but it's probably too late. Uh, Some clearly saw it as a call to action, with one Proud Boy posting on the social media site Parler, quote, Trump basically said to go F them up. This makes me so happy. Since then, that poster has clarified he thinks no one is above the law. But obviously, this was a welcome message from the president. We're a drinking club with a patriot problem. As Proud Boys, I think our main objective is to defend the West. USA! USA! Do I look scary with this? I would never use this to hit someone out of just a a blatant attack. It would be only self-defense. We're at the Proud Boys rally in Delta Park. The Proud Boys are a far-right group with ambiguous beliefs, but a clear record of street fights. We're not punching each other in the face. But part of the culture is to be lightly punched while naming five Five breakfast breakfast They planned this rally after a far-right activist was killed here a few weeks ago. Many worry that their presence in Portland will result in clashes with anti-fascist protesters who plan their own rally as a response. Ahead of this, the governor declared a state of emergency. There's at least 300 people here, although they'd hyped up to 3,000. And the ratio of journalists to Proud Boys is very high. Antifa! Are you here to get in fights with Antifa? Absolutely not. But you guys are sort of dressed in the aesthetics of political violence. Well, aesthetics and actually what we are is two different things. We're all wearing protective gear. Who needs a shield? It just seems like every time there is a Proud Boys event, it ends with some people getting beat up. If our mere presence causes people to want to commit acts of violence, we're not afraid to defend ourselves. I know what you do, bro. All people white supremacists are not. Who? Who that's not a white supremacist and a Nazi? The Proud Boys all tell us they're just here to drink beer and barbecue, but there have already been a couple incidents that have teetered on the edge of violence, including our own crew being threatened. Get out! Take the camera. CNN. Get the out, bitch. You want to get f***ed up? Wrong place to be. Just film that. You got something to say? We had one Antifa come in here. He openly admitted he was. The cameras might capture, oh wow, look, they're being so violent. They didn't touch him. He wasn't bleeding, he wasn't marked up, he didn't get punched, he didn't get sprayed with nothing. And I I told him later, I was like, hey, you're lucky. Well, if you're not here for violence, then it wouldn't be luck, it'd be the plan, right? Wait, I mean, if, if, It wouldn't be a stroke of luck. Sure, but. You weren't expecting to be violent. But, that doesn't mean, but I can't speak for everybody else. The sheriff's department estimated about a thousand people came to Delta Park throughout the day. Meanwhile, about a thousand counter-protesters gathered three miles away. What do you think the Proud Boys represent? Fear. Mm-hmm. Fear of losing power. They feel like they're just losing everything they thought. That, you know, they're the superior race. We call them the, the Proud Little Penis Boys. Fascism has no place in this city! And why is it important to 
like have a counter rally to the Proud Boys. Like, why not just ignore them? We're out here to you know show that we're not afraid and that we're not going to like back down and you know just kind of face the tyranny, especially when our president is amping up this whole situation. At the nightly anti-police protest, people waited warily for the Proud Boys to show up, but they never came. Instead, the only clashes that occurred were the same ones between police and protesters that have happened nearly every night since May. In the end, it was just another night in Portland. So the leader, the chair of the Proud Boys says he does not engage in political violence, but the group has a clear history of street fights. And CNN has video of a fight in New York in 2018, which led to two members being convicted on multiple charges for assaulting an Antifa. Jake. All right, Al, thank you so much. Uh, Joining us now to discuss is Elizabeth Newman, the former Assistant Secretary of Homeland Security under President Trump until she resigned in in April. Elizabeth, thanks for joining us again. I want to get to President Trump's remarks in a second, but you're an expert here. You work directly on issues of white supremacy and hate groups as part of the Trump administration. Now, the Proud Boys are not a white supremacist group, uh, per se, but they do have a history of being violent, anti-Semitic, anti-LGBT, neo-fascist, and more. For people at home who may not have heard of the Proud Boys until uh, last night's debate, uh, can you explain what they are and if they're a threat? Thanks for having me on, Jake. And that was excellent reporting by your colleague. I, I, uh, I learned some things uh, from watching that. But but you're right. This is not uh, a traditional white supremacist group. This isn't Adam Waffen. This isn't Rise Above Movement. Um, they're, they, uh, they describe themselves, their founder describes themselves as a, a fraternity uh, uh, that get together to drink beer, to defend uh, the Western male culture. And, and it, they kind of came out of a grievance associated uh, with uh, maybe what they perceived on the left to be uh, cr- criticism of, of whites. Uh, and, it, and, and sadly, unfortunately, because we tend to not listen to one another and understand what's behind some of the criticisms of, say, the um, uh, racial injustice issues, uh, you see this kind of counter uh, response uh, on the right uh, of defending their whiteness. I, mm-hmm. I wasn't involved in slavery in the past. I, I shouldn't be made to, to feel bad for being born white. Right. And so the grievance there is is that, and then they take it and they extract it and they make it more um, more volatile and, and more extreme in, in their viewpoints, uh, often trending towards violence in some, some of their members. And, and so, as someone who worked on domestic threats, such as white supremacy, uh, or the Proud Boys uh, under this president. Uh, what's your reaction when you see now the president has now been asked multiple times, still refuses to not only explicitly condemn white supremacy or denounce the support of white supremacists, uh, but also seems to offer words of encouragement even, or at least that's how the Proud Boys are taking it, uh, in terms uh, of you know stand down and stand by? Look, I've been talking to people all throughout uh, the last 24 hours and the, the, it, people that study ex- violent extremists, 
view last night as a rallying cry, um, not just for the Proud Boys movement, which, as you pointed out, might not necessarily be white supremacist, um, but but certainly his lack of condemnation of white supremacy last night uh, was a rallying cry. We're going to see more recruitment. We're going to see a more uh, more likelihood for people to take up arms and and defend whatever cause it is that they believe in, uh, which is the opposite of what you want your leadership to do. We want leaders to call for calm. We want leaders to to say a little bit what the president said this afternoon. Let law enforcement do their job. I was glad to see him say that. That was something that might tamp down a little bit, but it's, it's really late in the in the news cycle for him to issue that clarification. And the fact that he continues to not be able to just point blank say, I condemn white supremacy. It it, it boggles the mind. I'm sure his, uh, his staff were just shaking their head even in those moments. It, it, we just it would be it would go a long way to counter extremism if he would be clear about it. But when he does things like this, when he does this kind of, you know, sure, I'm giving into uh, what I have to say because I'm in this election. It, it, it His supporters take that um, mm. white supremacists take that and then they twist it and build a narrative and say he's actually for us, even though he can't directly say he's for us. Um, so it, it actually stirs up the their momentum and movement even more when when we have a news cycle like this. And I'm old enough to remember Bob Dole, when he got the Republican nomination in 1996, told bigots, if there are any bigots here, I'm paraphrasing, those they're the doors over there. We don't want you as part of our party. Um, you tweeted uh, that you and your team, when you were at DHS, that you tried to educate President Trump and his staff on the various threats posed by white supremacist groups or violent neo-fascist groups such as the Proud Boys. What was the response you got when you tried to teach the president and his team about this? You know, there was a, a willingness to work with us on violence prevention. That's how they wanted to couch it. Like, yes, we need to prevent violence. And uh, a lot of talk about how the violence is coming from uh, me a mental health crisis. We need to address mental health. And, and there is definitely a need to support uh, the mental health community and, and, and increase funding there. But that is not what this is. And the lack of willingness to define what the threat is, what the ideology is behind it, is in fact leading us to more growth of this movement. Um, every other threat that we face uh, in national security, you always start with a definition of what the threat is. And the White House refused to call this what it was. They refused to frame it in terms of domestic terrorism. But I find that hugely ironic that in May of this year, as we're approaching an election, the president's more than willing to label Antifa and talk about left-wing violence. The statistics just do not support that the that left-wing violence is that lethal. It, it is a problem, but overwhelmingly, 76% of lethal terrorist attacks in the last 10 years have come not from ISIS, not from the left-wing. They've come from right-wing violence, predominantly white supremacists. And Elizabeth Newman, I know uh, that one of the reasons that you have... Uh, condemned President Trump uh, is because of this, even though you are uh, a strong conservative. Thank you so much uh, for joining us today and, and for your courage in speaking out. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Right now, Joe Biden is riding a train through Trump country with a new line of attack. What is it? That's next. Last night's debate uh, in this election is supposed to be about you, Tiffany, about you and all the people I grew up with in Scranton and people in Youngstown and Claymont, Delaware. Does your president 
understand at all what you're going through. I think he basically looks down on us. He judges us. Welcome back in our 2020 lead. That's Joe Biden speaking directly to the public after that debacle of a debate with President Trump last night. Today, the former vice president launched a multi-stop train tour through Ohio and Pennsylvania in which he is attempting to highlight working families. CNN's Arlette Signs is live for us in Alliance, Ohio. And Arlette, it looks as though uh, Biden is figuratively uh, getting the train uh, back on track after last night went off the rails. Well, Jake, Joe Biden is chugging along on the campaign trail as he's taking this roughly 200-mile tour from Cleveland straight into Trump country in Pennsylvania as he is trying to court some of those Trump voters from back in 2016 as he heads into this November election. But earlier today, on one of his train tour stops here in Alliance, Ohio, Biden gave an assessment of last night's debate, saying that the president made it all about himself with his constant interrupting and that he was not speaking directly to the concerns of the American people. Biden told me that he could understand why Americans might be turned off by politics after what they witnessed last night. Take a listen to a bit more of what he had to say here in Alliance, Ohio. Last night uh, reinforced for me uh, why I got in this race in the first place. The president of the United States conducting himself the way he did, um, I think was just a, a national embarrassment. Now, Biden also forcefully criticized the president again for his refusal to denounce white supremacists. He talked about the president's comments about that far right extremist group, the Proud Boys, when the president told them to stand down and stand by. Biden said his message to that group is to cease and desist and once again argued that combating groups like that is part of the reason he got into this race, that he has framed as a battle for the soul of America. Biden also told me that he's looking forward to those future debates with the president, but he hopes that the moderators will come up with a way for both of the candidates candidates to remain uninterrupted at times. Jake. All right. Uh, Arlette Science, thanks so much. Let's discuss this all with CNN's Abby Phillip and the Washington Post's Philip Bump. Uh, Abby, let me start with you. So Biden uh, is trying to paint Trump uh, as a fancy Ivy Leaguer from Park Avenue who looks down on blue collar working class voters, state school grads like himself. Uh, He's trying to paint himself almost as if he is a member of Trump's base, in a way. Uh, What do you think? Well, I I think that this is the path, maybe the only path really available to Joe Biden uh, if he's going to uh, try to uh, do a little bit better than Hillary Clinton did among white voters. Joe Biden has long relied on his biography coming from Scranton, talking about his father's words that a job is more than a paycheck. He says that I mean, I would probably say almost every day that is uh, part of his political identity. And I think that um, the the idea here is to convince those voters that Joe Biden is one of them. I think it's probably more effective that way than trying to convince them that that Trump is uh, sort of the. Uh, a kind of Ivy League, uh, you know, Prince of Park Avenue, because I think people know that Trump is rich and they don't care. Uh, they think that he understands them anyway. So it's better for Biden probably to just try to I, to say to these voters, I identify with you because I was one of you uh, earlier on in my life. Phil, uh, obviously the moment getting a lot of attention, President Trump's refusal to explicitly condemn white supremacists and what he said about the far-right neo-fascist group, the Proud Boys. Um, Now he's claiming he doesn't know who they are. But you wrote something very interesting in in the Washington Post today. You said it wasn't just the Proud Boys. Trump refused to dissuade supporters from a violent response to the election. 
Explain what you mean. So one of the things that we've seen over the past few weeks is President Trump has repeatedly refused to say that he will ensure there's a peaceful transition of power. Part of that stems from the fact that he doesn't want to admit that there may be a transfer of power at all. He doesn't want to admit that he might lose this election. Uh, but he was asked about that last night at the debate by the moderator. Very specifically, will you call upon your supporters to wait until the votes are counted and to not engage in any civil unrest? And Trump refused to do that. He, he instead put a focus on saying that his supporters should go out to the polls and look for wrongdoing, whatever that looks like. Obviously, there's a subtext there in terms of rooting out people who shouldn't be voting. Uh, but he refused to say, no, these people should not participate in any sort of unrest should the results of the election not go the way they want, uh, which is a much, obviously, much broader group of people to whom he's sending a very specific message. Yeah, and, and look, there are ways to have uh, poll watchers organized by campaigns and parties that are approved. Uh, with states and counties and election boards. And then there's just the invitation for chaos of having your supporters march into polling places. Abby, let's, let's play that exchange with uh, Chris Wallace and President Trump. Will you pledge tonight that you will not declare victory until the election has been independently certified? President Trump, I'm you go first. I'm urging my supporters to go into the polls and watch very carefully because that's what has to happen. I am urging my people. I hope it's going to be a fair election. If it's a fair You're election, I am 100% on board. But if I see tens of thousands of ballots being manipulated, I can't go along with that. And I'll tell and what, you what, what does that from mean, a common sense. Does that mean I'll you're going you to tell your people means. to take to it the It means screen? you have a fraudulent election. So much of this is just based on complete falsehoods and conspiracy theories. Um, but Abby, I, I think Phil was actually being nice. I mean, that yeah. sounded like a call to arms. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, these are clear scare tactics because l listen carefully to what's going on there. He's both saying that mail-in ballots, uh, for some reason that he's completely inventing, tens of thousands of them would be uh, tampered with. There's absolutely no evidence of that. And and at the same time, he is also saying that he wants people to go into the polling places where people are voting in person and try to find fraud where there is none. I mean, this is the entirety of the electoral system that the president is trying to undermine with absolutely no evidence. And the fact that he won't acknowledge that every vote uh, that is legal and valid ought to be counted is a really significant thing, and it fits with everything that he's been doing for the last several months. We cannot take it in isolation. In addition to the fact that we should also add, he said he wants law enforcement at the polls. That's the kind of thing that has gotten, uh, you know, the Republican Party slapped on the wrist by the courts in the past. And uh, President Trump is explicitly saying that he wants it to happen again this year. All right, Abby Phillip, Phil Bump, thank you both. Appreciate it. Another key issue at last night's debate, the coronavirus. And now the virus is forcing the NFL to postpone one of Sunday's games. Stay with us. In our health lead today, the NFL is warning teams that if they don't follow coronavirus guidelines, they could suffer suspensions and even forfeit draft picks after some coaches have been seen on the sidelines not wearing masks and not practicing social distancing during games. The NFL postponed the Pittsburgh Steelers-Tennessee Titans game set for Sunday after the Titans had four players and five staff members test positive for the virus. CNN's Dr. Sanjay Gupta joins us now to discuss it. And Sanjay, masks were a hot topic of the debate last night, among many other topics. Uh, take a listen to this quick clip. If we just wore masks between now, if there, everybody wore masks in social distance between now and January, we'd probably save up to 100,000 lives. 
It matters. And they've also it said matters. the opposite. They've and also said no. The no serious person said the opposite. They no said, well, look, serious. Right, right, I want to ask Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci said the he opposite. He did not I, I say the opposite. We got he a said little very bit strongly, more than a minute left in this masks segment. Masks are not good. I mean, it's such a. It's just so insane. Look, let's be clear. Fauci did advise against wearing masks in the early days of the pandemic in February and March when other health experts were saying that same thing. But he, like other health experts, quickly changed course and started strongly advocating for them once science proved their effectiveness. But here's Trump trying to muddy the waters. Why even do that? What does that achieve? I, I, I don't know. The masks are, are one of the most confusing things about this whole thing, Jake, because, you know, sh- shutting down businesses, I get it. You know, the economic sort of impact of that. Wear a mask. I mean, it's, 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 it's really simple. And the 100,000 number that Vice President Biden was quoting was from the IHME model, a model that the White House uses. That's, it's, that's one of their models that they go to on this. The, the effectiveness of the mask, uh, as well as something else that happened in, in late March, uh, sort of late February, early March, I think really changed Fauci's mind on this. And I really want to make this point. Listen to how Dr. Fauci put it. Back then, we were not aware that 40 to 45 percent of people were asymptomatic. We need to put that nonsense behind us about, well, they keep changing their minds. Masks work. So, Jake, you know, I think typically when you think of respiratory virus, someone who's coughing or sneezing and having symptoms, those are the people that are usually contagious. What became very clear, you know, during that early spring time frame, February, March, was that people could spread asymptomatically and that that was a significant source of the spread. So the idea that you wear the masks so that you're not the spreader, I think, really became the key. That, that, that's the important thing is that you wear it to protect those around you. You have to behave like you have the virus. That's what changed, I think, in Fauci's mind, and that's what the science showed. But let's, th- because people are dying of this, I just want to take another beat on this, okay? So Joe Biden was making the argument, everybody should wear masks, uh, and, and Trump makes fun of them, he belittles them. Now, Trump knows that the health experts say people should wear masks. His family showed up at this debate wearing masks, the first lady, his, his daughters, etc. They were wearing masks. And yet, instead of saying, I I do support wearing masks. Everybody should wear a mask, just like my family is wearing tonight. He muddies the waters to score a political point as if Joe Biden is wrong about masks. That's dangerous. That is continuing to put out information that confuses people. There's there's no question about it. And and like I said, this will be one of the the mysteries. I guess probably it's exactly what you say, Jake. It's just political points because it doesn't make sense. We know the president's worried about the virus. People around him are tested. You know, he may have said it was a hoax, but he's certainly worried about it. Uh, Why he doesn't encourage people who are his supporters to wear masks, uh, why he belittles it. I I, I guess it's just I, I have not been able to say that something was purely political politics entangles into all these matters of science that we talk about. But this issue on masks sounds like it's just purely political. Yeah, and it's misinformation and it's dangerous. The president also said the vaccine will be ready in a few weeks. Is that possible? It's not going to be ready for you and me and the general public. I mean, that's the perception that I think people take away from that. Ready, you know, we're ready to go. The pandemic is over. Uh, as you know, even after the vaccine comes out, it's going to take some time to distribute it and to you know, actually have it take effect. 
And we're talking, you know, next summer, you know, possibly for, for that, a lot of that major distribution to take place. What strikes me, though, Jake, again, to your earlier point, is he's at odds, contradicting the very people that he hired. He brought in Monsef Slui uh, to be the chief advisor to, to Operation Warp Speed, which is doing an incredible job. I mean, they're moving along really fast, but even he doesn't believe that the, you're going to have that much vaccine ready. I talked to him about it. Take a listen. If it's shown efficacious in November or in December, we don't have enough vaccine doses. We'll have a few million in November and maybe 10, 20 million of each in December. That would be enough to vaccinate certain populations, start vaccinating certain population, but not the whole population. He said he disagreed with Monsef Slui last night at the debate. So what are we to do, Jake? I mean, these are the world experts. That's what they're saying. And then you hear what the president says. Yeah. And, and look, the president should be praised for Operation Warp Speed. It's great. But then he undermines his own experts. It's befuddling. Dr. Sanjay Gupta, thanks so much. Uh, we don't know the president's COVID response plan, but we now have an idea of his three-pronged plan to win re-election. And that's next. 34 days out from the election, some state officials are lining up to set the record straight after hearing this from President Trump last night. I'm urging my supporters to go into the polls and watch very carefully because that's what has to happen. Today, the Secretary of State in Nevada and other states stress this. Voter intimidation is illegal. The president seems to be campaigning not only against Joe Biden, but against the election itself. And as CNN's Pamela Brown reports, that's not the only statement now needing clarification. President Trump seemingly outlining at the debate a three-pronged strategy to win re-election. Disinformation. It's a disaster. Intimidation. Watch very carefully. And relying on realigned courts. I think I'm counting on them to look at the ballots, definitely. Trump calling on supporters to watch people at the polls, not always in an official capacity, which Democrats fear could intimidate voters. Something the Nevada attorney general said will not be allowed in his state, warning in a tweet, you will be prosecuted. Trump also is magnifying minor mail-in ballot issues, wrongly calling them fraud like you've never seen. Pointing to his allies being denied entering at an early voting site in Pennsylvania, which state rules don't allow, and railing against mail-in voting with more misinformation. Take a look at West Virginia, mailmen selling the ballots. They're being sold. They're being dumped in rivers. A false claim prompting West Virginia's Republican Secretary of State to clarify in a statement, a postal carrier altered absentee ballot applications, not ballots. This is a horrible thing for our country. There is no, this is not, there is no this is not going to end well. Trump also made clear his hope that pushing through his Supreme Court justice nominee, Amy Coney Barrett, will tip the scales at the high court in his favor. I hope we don't need them in terms of the election itself, but for the ballots, I think so. And Barrett has been back on Capitol Hill today. She's been meeting with GOP senators, and she has avoided saying that she would recuse herself over election matters. Meantime, Jake, we are learning that more than 1.2 million ballots have already been cast this year so far, showing the intense interest in early voting. Jake? All right, Pamela Brown, thank you so much. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Jake Tapper. You can tweet the show at The Lead CNN. Our coverage on CNN continues right now. I will see you tomorrow. 
We all do things our own way. And since the way that each of us sleeps is unique, you need a bed that fits you just the right way. Sleep Number smart beds make your sleep experience as individual as you are, using cutting-edge technology to give you effortless, high-quality sleep every night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $15.99. Save $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.